Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. God's people. So um, I see a couple of my kids heading out, and I'm just grateful for children's workers who allow um, allow for them to be taught in ways that are age appropriate to them. But it's good to have them in worship too, and to to have them interact with us. So, well, we continue this journey through the season of Easter tide, and I'm probably going to say it each week, but He is risen, yes. risen indeed. That's why we gather. That's why, that's why we gather. That's why we come on Sunday. That's, that, is be, that has been the impetus for Christians to gather on Sunday because they showed up on Sunday morning and the grave was empty. Amen? Praise the Lord. That gives us a reason to worship and reason to gather and reason to be called His children. Uh, and it's good to take moments like, uh, like we just took and pray for Frankie and Val. Uh, we wanted it to be a surprise, and so Frankie made this other commitment, and so he's going to hear about it. I know he is. He's going to hear about it. But the look on Valerie's face when she realized that Debbie was talking about her was priceless. I'm going to have to check that out on the recording and yeah, freeze frame it. <clears throat> As we journey through this season of Eastertide, we're taking a look at, at the first reading. I've talked about this uh, a couple weeks uh, ago, I think, um, but uh, usually that first reading comes from the Old Testament. But in this season of Eastertide, when, when the, the cross is draped with a white cloth because of the resurrection, um, we turn to the Acts, the book of Acts instead, the story of, of Christ's gospel and the story of Christ's resurrection spreading throughout um, starting, uh, starting in Jerusalem and spreading out uh, around, around the civilizations around there. Um, <clears throat> so today we're going to stick with that uh, rhythm and turn to Acts chapter 9 today. Uh, it's a bit of a longer passage um, from Acts chapter 9. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 20. Um, and you've been standing and maybe you came up to pray for Val. And so if you need to stay seated, that's, I'm totally fine with that. But for those who are willing and able out of reverence for the reading of God's word, I'm going to ask that you stand as I read Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 20. reading from the book of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. 
Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice, but saw no one. After they picked Saul up from the ground, they op- he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. In Damascus there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Yes, Lord. The Lord instructed him, Go to Judas's house on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias enter and put his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias countered, Lord, uh, I've heard many reports about this man. People say he has done horrible things to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's here with authority from the chief priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. The Lord replied, Go. This man is the agent I have chosen to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias went to the house. He placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord sent me, Jesus, who appeared to you on the way as you were coming here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, flakes fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After eating, he regained his strength. He stayed with the disciples in Damascus for several days. Right away, verse 20, right away, he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogues. He is God's son, he declared. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. I love transformation stories. Love transformation stories. So stories that, that introduce us to a character and they start in one place and they go through this process and at the end of the story, they have become new people with new insight, with new attitudes, with new habits, new people, new creations. One of my favorites, and I might have talked about this, is is Ebenezer Scrooge in the, in the Christmas Carol, right? I like the old black and white one with the crazy guy, blonde-haired guy that kind of goes, I don't re- I think it was made in the 50s, I'm not sure. Great classic version of the Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge visited by the spirits of Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future and emerging at the end of this story with a newfound appreciation for the spirit and the meaning of Christmas. A changed person. I mean, just giddy. Bouncing around. Wishing everyone Merry Christmas. Surprising his, uh, his uh, co-worker with a bonus and time off. It's a beautiful story. And I love, I love the, the stories of transformation that we see. And you can see them in, in film. You can see them in novels. And you can see them in people sometimes too. Uh, as, we, as we embarked on our journey in Acts, I, I talked about kind of the expanding circles that we, that we find in the book of Acts. Um, it's, all, it's all set up by verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when um, it, it kind of gives a one-verse outline of the book of Acts. It says, uh, you will become my witnesses, and, and you'll start in Jerusalem, and then it will grow to Judea and Samaria, and eventually will extend to the ends of the earth. 
well, through seven chapters of Acts, it really had stayed in, in the city of Jerusalem. The, the stories we find there talk about the believers there. They talk about uh, the, the atmosphere and the culture of those who followed the way followed the way of Jesus. It talked about how there were these interactions and these harassments that came from from the religious elders, the people who were threatened by this message of Jesus because every everywhere they, they turned, it seemed like Jesus' disciples were saying, remember Jesus, the guy you killed, the guy you put on the cross? Yeah, we're following him now. He changed our lives. He was resurrected. And now his Holy Spirit had come after Acts chapter 2. Well, in chapter 8, we really begin to see that, that circle of, of spreading the gospel begin to open up. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't read from it, but if you turn to Acts chapter 8, it's the story of, of um, Philip, and, and he goes to Samaria. That's that second circle, the Judea and Samaria circle, and, and there's an interaction there with a, with a man that's seeking to know more uh, and understand the scriptures and part of the reason we find is Saul. Acts chapter 8, verse 3 says this. It says, Saul began to wreak havoc against the church. Entering one house after another, he would drag both men and women off and throw them into prison. Saul was the reason. Saul was the, the, the reason that people were like, eh, Jerusalem's getting a little crazy, getting a little wild around here. Let's, let's spread out. There's this guy named Saul, and he's causing all sorts of problems, arresting people, throwing them in prison for following Jesus and following the way. Saul is part of the reason that, that this message then begins to expand uh, away from Jerusalem. And, and as we look at Saul, uh, there's definitely a, a significant story of transformation found in the person of Saul. He went from murderous threats, from, from seeking permission to harass the disciples, to harass the people who were following Jesus, all the way in Damascus. And the Lord approaches him. And the Lord comes to him in the form of a bright light, a blinding light, in the, in the form of a, an audible voice. And his life has changed because Saul listens. Uh, there's so much there. And, and really, uh, the, the lectionary passage says, actually, you can just stay with Acts chapter 1 through, or chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And, and that's a long enough passage. It says, you can stop there if you want. And as I read early in the week, I thought, man, what a cool story of transformation. Maybe we should talk about that. And then, but the story goes on. It also says you, you, can go, you can go a little further. And I thought about, maybe we'll just go through verse 9. There's the story of the companions. Don't we all need companions? Don't we all need companions on this journey? People that walk with us. People to share this life with. And that's one of the beautiful things about a church family. That's one of the beautiful things about coming and gathering in this place. I'm so grateful for technology. I'm so grateful that if you're away on vacation and you want to stay connected to us, we have some ways of, of sharing that. But being together with God's people and having companions for the journey is significant. Amen? And I look at these companions in Saul's story, and, and they didn't get the full effect. They only, they only got half the, half the message from God. 
What did it say? Did, did they see the light or did they hear the voice? I don't remember what it said. I heard the voice. And they, they were companions with Saul. They had gone with him. Apparently their intent was similar to what Saul had said. But Saul encounters the Lord. And I wonder what they thought. Saul wakes up or gets up, can't see. Lost his ability to, to navigate. And it says his companions took him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, cared for him took him along the way. This is a great story of caring and, and camaraderie there. It's good stuff. But I was like, as I read and, and as I listened to this story, a third option really came up and captured my attention. And that's why we read all 20 verses today. And, and, and it's not what I originally had planned, not what I originally had, had said that, that I thought that the Lord was leading, but I was pretty sure that we would be talking about Saul's transformation and what the, the work that God did in his life. But today, actually, I want to look at Ananias. I want to look at the voice, the life, the ministry of Ananias in this story. The first thing that the Bible tells us about Ananias is what? He was a disciple. When he introduces Ananias, Saul's already been introduced. We know a little bit about what he's doing, what his life is like. But it says, there was a disciple named Ananias. I want to tell you something. Being a disciple is not a mistake. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not a mistake. Not for Ananias and not for me and not for you as well. Disciples aren't mistakes. You don't oops your way into becoming a disciple. Like, I wonder how that happened. Huh. <laughs> Discipleship is cultivated. Discipleship is fostered. Discipleship is grown over the course of time. I've talked to you about how I managed to kill plants at an alarming rate. At some point, I got a gift of a couple of little succulents that I've kept in my office because they said, if, I mean, come on, Trent, you can do this. One of them's already dead. I'm so sorry. 50%, that's not bad for me. I really appreciate the gift. I'm so sorry to the plant. Uh, it takes intention and work to be a disciple. Ananias had put in some work and put in some time. You don't casually walk towards discipleship. Ananias doesn't, and you don't get to either, and I don't get to either. It takes some time, and it takes some work. I've often thought about the idea of, of God communicating with us a, a little more directly, right? We've, we've kind of joked about it here again. Just send me a text, God. A little email would be great. Tell me what to do, and, and I'll do it. I mean, I've settled it. And then I read, <laughs> then I read the story of Ananias. Ananias got a little, a little more direct communication. It says that God communicated to him in a vision, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if, if there's just a, just a way to, for God to, to speak to me and for me to hear clearly and to, to be able to, to read it through again and double check and make sure I check all the boxes? And then there's this passage. And I'm like, maybe I don't want God communicating with me directly anymore. Okay, Ananias is the disciple and God sends a message. And, and you think, 
Wow, what a privilege. What a privilege for God to reach out with such specificity, with, with such direction. But what's that message? <laughs> I got a guy I want you to go see. There's this guy named Saul. And Ananias is like, can we go back to where <laughs> I just pray and kind of get an impression of what you're telling me? Classic case of be careful what you wish for. They, they know Saul. It's clear that, that people know Saul. Word had, without Facebook, without Twitter or Instagram, without social media, word had spread that Saul was on his way to Damascus. Ananias already knew Saul's coming, and he's got orders. He's got permission, he's got authority, he's got letters, and he's going to round us up and arrest us all and drag us to prison. Chapter 7 tells us he was there. Actually, the beginning of chapter 8 tells us he was there when Stephen was stoned. The ultimate, the, the ultimate thing that, that pushed the spreading of the gospel out from Jerusalem. They had been harassed. They had been arrested. They were in prison for a night, and they, they got sprung out of jail. What did they do the next day? They went back to right where they got arrested. Not real smart. If you want to stay out of prison, but faithful. Saul had to, this is the story that breaks the gospel message out of Jerusalem. Stephen had been stoned. It had become mortally dangerous to speak the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. And that's why. That's where it breaks out of Jerusalem and starts to spread to Judea and Samaria. And Saul was the guy. He was the bully. He was the one speaking murderous threats. He was the one harassing the believers. We know this guy. And Ananias has to be like, you want me to go where? You want me to go see who? Ananias puts up his best defense. <laughs> Are you sure, God? Are you really you're sure? You know, you know why Saul came here. I'm offering myself up to be arrested and drugged back to Jerusalem and put on trial. But what we discover in verse 15 is that God had incredible plans for this man. God had incredible plans for Saul to, to witness not only to the nation of Israel, not only to the Israelites, but he says to Gentiles and to kings. And what we have in the verses that follow is the greatest evidence in the chapter of how solid of a disciple Ananias was. It says this, he went to the house. He went to the house. He offered his objection. He, he was like, I, I don't think this is right. I don't know, God. <laughs> Check your notes. Maybe there's another way. Maybe there's a different Ananias in town. Simple, raw, honest obedience. It says that Ananias went. And Saul is prayed for. Something, something like flakes fell from his eyes. Sight was, was restored. <laughs> his first action as a sight-restored believer, now in the way, it says that Saul was baptized. 
Saul was, was baptized. Te- the text doesn't, doesn't really say this, but sometimes I like to ask questions that, that go beyond the text just to kind of help, my, help myself understand the story. I wonder who got to baptize him. I bet it was Ananias. I hope it was. I hope it was. I, I hope that Ananias, in, in that moment of obedience, in that moment of listening to, to what God said, despite it not making any sense at all, those flakes fell from his eyes. I see Saul just giving him a big hug. And he's like, don't you guys, don't you guys do something with water? <laughs> we can find some water. Let's go do it. And, and I bet Ananias just led him to the closest place that he could think of. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ananias. And, and, and I wonder who showed up for that baptism. <laughs> All I can think of is, is the believers as they hear this word, no, Saul's getting baptized. And everybody's like, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Little Star Wars fans, you know, get that one. I don't look like Admiral Akbar, but uh, it's a trap. Come and see Saul get baptized. Yeah, right. This is like the, the oldest trick in the book, right? For police officers call people who have warrants and say, hey, well, you lost your wallet. There's some money in it at the police station. Come on down. Really? It's a trap. But it wasn't. Saul's baptism wasn't a trap. For his life had been changed. He stayed in Damascus. It says he began to preach. Preach an ambiguous message. Preach, ah, oh, maybe this place, maybe this thing, this thing called the way is okay. Maybe there's some good life lessons to be learned. No, he was clear. His preaching was solid. Jesus is God's son. Paul's, Saul, Paul is, a, is an all-in guy, right? When he was against Jesus, it was, it was really against Jesus. It was, I'm going to round them up. I'm going to get them arrested. I'm going to stand by as the, the tide of public opinion watch, it ends up with Stephen being stoned. When Jesus got a hold of his life, he's like, i got to tell you, this is God's son. He appeared to me. And he's changed my life. I'll tell you that I think the reason that I was led to this story of, of Ananias in this passage is really tied and connected to our, our emphasis for this year, not so with you. You see, we live in a day and age where people are identified and labeled and written off. It's all too easy to make snap decisions and, and to rush to conclusions. The, I believe the church is called to be different. The church must be different. You see, Ananias, when he was introduced to this story, when he, when he first entered the scene, had heard about Saul, knew who he was. And I, and I wonder today how I would respond me, how I would respond with a vision from Jesus to go and say, no, that person's changed. Maybe not breathing out murderous threats. 
Maybe not getting people rounded up and arrested. But I saw how they acted on the soccer field at Legacy Park. I saw how they treated me in that, it, that how my neighbor treated me when <laughs> the fence was a little dilapidated. I saw this. I had witnessed that. Mount Holmes not a not a large place. It's kind of a small town. We know a few people around. And I think, how many times does Jesus put something on my heart? And too often I let the past, my impressions, my snap judgments, my quick conclusions, determine my course of action. Ananias said, I'll go. I'll go to that house. Uh, just yesterday, uh, the church board met for uh, a, a, a quick uh, three-hour uh, board retreat that we had. Um, it, it felt like the time flew by. You can ask them. I hope they'll, they'll agree with me. It wasn't enough time. I, I really could have spent more time, but it was really, really good. But one of the questions that I asked in that time was, when you pray for our church, and, and I want to ask that question to all of you because it, it makes an assumption, when you pray for our church, I hope you pray for our church. But when, I ask the board members, when you pray for our church, what do you pray that our church is like? What do you pray that our church is like? I think we can pray that prayer. God, I, I hope that our church is this way. I hope that our church is like this. This is one of those things. This story, this way that Ananias lived is one of those things. That our church needs to be the place where people are welcomed, where people are allowed to change, where people are allowed to step into the space, no matter their past, no matter what they've done. And they can come and be heard, and be welcomed, and be valued. The church needs to be that place, amen? And that happens not by me, and not by the church staff, but by all of us, together. How are we going to lead the way in living a different kind of life? I can tell you one thing. The first thing is this. It starts where Ananias started, becoming a disciple of Jesus. Becoming a disciple of Jesus. What did I say about disciples? You, you don't fall into it. You don't mistake your way into being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not accidental. It's not a mistake. We have to want it. We have to pursue it. We have to invest in that journey. To say, I want to be a disciple. Why? Because I believe that's the basis that Ananias had for, for saying, okay, God, if you want me to go and pray, I will go and pray. The second thing we have to do is to fight against the flow of, of writing, writing folks off. <laughs> of, of making those snap judgments of people in our world today. 
I came here in December of 2019, and the world has changed a little bit since then. The world seems so wound up. The world at times can be so angry and so hostile and so insecure that we cannot entertain a contrary opinion. I don't know who it is for you. I know who it is for me. Who are the people that we tend to write off? Who are the people that we tend to dismiss, that we push off to the side and say, I'm not even sure God could reach that person. And it's not good. And I feel like, like that makes sense in our bones. Like we feel it in our gut that it's not good and yet it's hard to fight against. I think we need the Holy Spirit's help. I think we need to pursue becoming disciples of Jesus Christ with the specific intent to say, I want to be an Ananias. I want to be the one that on the prompting and the nudgings of Jesus Christ goes to the one that <laughs> I would really prefer to try to avoid. Because the church needs to be a different place than the world. Amen? And that's where we get back to not so with you. I, uh, I was sitting down here earlier in this worship service and, and I just thought of this comparison it's not in my notes so I don't even need to look down what, what, which, kind of, which kind of transformation do we need we've got two characters here in this story we've got Paul, he got the blinding light, he got the voice from heaven, he got three days of vacation um, he didn't get to see the sights but uh, he had all this it took a big event for Saul. Ananias got a vision that made no sense and responded. What does it take for you and for me to listen to the voice of Jesus to say, I'll get up. I'll go to Straight Street. I'll go to Judas's house. Or maybe to my next door neighbor. and pray, or have a conversation, or care for the person that really, sometimes I, if I'm honest, I, I might like to try to avoid. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up as we close. Though I, I, I'm strongly convicted of this. The world needs more people like Ananias, people who will, despite the past, step into this present moment with a heart ready to listen to the will, and to the word of God. To go lay their hands on people, to pray for them, to set them free. Or maybe to share a meal. To open their home and invite them to their table. To be the hands and feet of Jesus. These are the people who point others to Jesus. This is how we see lives transformed and completely changed. This is the way that as we walk with people, maybe we get to see them baptized. For their lives had been changed 
and decided to follow Jesus. And these might be the people who will testify to Israelites, to kings, and to Gentiles. Doesn't that sound pretty cool? Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be used by God in that way? I don't think this story is terribly unique. The light from heaven, the flakes falling from the eyes, don't see that every day. But I think God speaks. I think God nudges us toward caring for people who kind of been written off to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the Ananiases of Mountain Home in 2022. Let me pray for you, and we'll sing, and we will conclude this morning. God, I thank you today for this passage, for this picture of, of one who was so connected to you, to, who was such a disciple of yours that despite it not making any sense, he went to the house. Such a simple, such, such a simple sentence tucked at the beginning of a, a verse that appears to be about something else. That's, that's the life of obedience. That's the thing that doesn't make any sense. That's what makes your followers unique. That prompted by you and nudged by you, that we would respond and we would say, "Yeah, I'll go." I'll do. Lord, may we be a church that allows the souls of our world to come to worship you, to experience you and find you and to be changed by you. They may give their hearts and lives to you. And may we go find some water, get them baptized as they declare, this is God's son. Repeat that story in our lives. May we see it happen here with our congregation, with our people. I pray. Each year, each month, every day, God, would you make it happen here? May you convict our hearts and help us to be those Ananiases in our world today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So part of that song that I want to sing one more time with you, it starts with, show me who you are. Did you, did you read that slide? Scott, if we can get that up. Show me who you are. Fill me with your heart and lead me like you led Ananias. Lead me in your love to those around me. Will you sing that with me? Show me who you are and fill me. I sang that totally wrong. Sing it, Val. Help me out. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those One more time. Show me. Show me your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. 
Here's the story of a guy named Saul. It says, no way, I'm not going to that guy. He's going to have to find, he's going to have to find another Ananias. May we hear the voice of Jesus whispering in our ear, not so with you. Amen? Let's do better. Would you stand as we, uh, those who are willing and able to receive the benediction around these parts, we just hold our hands out to remind us that we receive this benediction today. Because sometimes it's really hard to see us in that role of, of going and responding to God and going to the souls of the world. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power which is at work within us. Glory to him and in the church and in Jesus Christ for all generations forever and always. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.